What's up, everybody? I am Kenzie. I'm AT, and this is Sippin'. This ain't a sip and see. But come sip and see. sipping today at what's going on today i am sipping on some simply raspberry lemonade your simply raspberry mm-hmm. lemonade okay well today i have come in from brunch so i uh prior to this you know i had had a, a, a bloody mary and i had my gin martini that i this is one of it's my favorite drink yeah oh don't that, don't do that. Don't do that. Jim Martinez are amazing. And I I'm feel really so Bloody Mary. Oh, for the Bloody Mary. I feel like breakfast at Tiffany's when I have my martini. I feel like so upper echelon. Wow. Um, and so now I am sipping. <laughs> now I am sipping a glass of rose. Yes. Um, and we won't talk about what I'm chiefing on. Beautiful. So, Kenzie, how are you feeling today? Are you checking in with me? I'm checking in. Oh, thank you. I appreciate your uh, concern for my well-being. Um, I am... I'm good. I just had a, a, a... I went away to Jersey for the weekend with some friends to celebrate a friend's birthday. And that, uh, at first, was a little stressful because niggas be unorganized. But it <laughs> turned out... <laughs> it turned out to be a, a good and fun time. You know, I wanted to turn up a little bit more, but we're in a pandemic. I have to remember we're in a pandemic. But I, I thank you. I am I am a bit nervous mm. for our today's show just because it brings out a lot of emotion in me. Yes. But I'm also excited because this, this conversation is important. Yes. How are you feeling? Today, I am feeling a little tired, but I'm feeling good overall. Um, I'm excited. I have been given an opportunity to act um, I can't speak about yes. it quite yet on here. Well, congratulations. Thank you. And I am excited to start with today's episode. Focuses on Andrew Gillum mm-hmm. and the scandal <laughs> that involved him after his loss in gubernatorial race in Florida. That's what we're talking about today. So, Alan, just jump right in. Wow. So, um, this whole episode of Tamron Hall's show, you know, it opens with Tamron giving this disclaimer that whatever we're talking about today has really nothing to do with sexuality. It is about a black man and his struggles. And that opening alone, um, for me, it made it feel like this is about to be a pity party. This is about to be an episode in which we're going to feel bad for this black man, you all. We're going to rally around him and we're supposed to cry for him. And I did feel bad for Andrew. I feel bad that he 
doesn't have a good or strong enough support system around him, it seems, to uh, guide him through. At the end of the day, he is an adult who makes his own choices, of course, but it seems he was in a deep state of depression that wasn't getting addressed or helped. Um, so I feel I feel bad for him overall. It was a great performance done by all, I will say. So I didn't miss the show. I watched the show on YouTube and it was broken up in segments, right? And I think it was about eight of them. And in the second segment, we know the question is coming. Because we've been on Twitter, we've been we 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 saw this leading up. Everyone has been concerned with Andrew Gillum coming out as bisexual. Tamron Hall in the second segment says, you know, and I have to ask you this question, and I have trouble asking this question because this is should not be the focus. You know, the focus should be you and in this situation and blah, 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 blah. You know, you have, you know, you being taken advantage of you in this, you know, horrific situation. Right. But then the rest of the show was about his sexuality. Indeed. And so I was, and so at the end of the show, I was like, I don't like her. I officially do not like Tamron Hall. And let me say why is because she just recently had a baby. She's in an interracial relationship. And so when she found out she was pregnant, I read something and there was Twitter talk. She says that she cried because she was sad she was having this boy. And so when I read that, my question was, what is your challenge with black men? Mm. I came in like hopeful that this conversation would be generative and productive. And she lied in the beginning of this. She lied. <laughs> That's a lie. That's a lie. It's just I haven't been feeling that way. And she is not well. I really thought it was egregious. This is exactly what you wanted to do. This is exactly how you wanted to frame this question. Yeah, she was wrong for that. She was absolutely wrong for it. So that happened in the second segment. So at the very beginning, the first segment is really all about just making this picture of what Andrew's family looked like and giving us context to what uh, was all going on. So he reveals that he was an alcoholic and he also reveals that he was struggling with depression. Um, and he said he at one point felt like a fraud after the running for the governor. And so and he it's, said his daddy was uh, an alcoholic as well. Right. <laughs> Implying that this is a generational curse or issue that he's just inherited. And Tamron kind of co-signs this, this narrative. Right. And I think that goes into the problem you were saying that she may have a problem with black men or she's interested in framing narratives around black men that are negative what struck me was that she says that she ran into andrew at an event in florida and saw him uh under the under the influence and said she knew something was wrong but tamron doesn't make any mention of trying to help asking someone else around him how she might help if they were helping him in some way there was no concern with his well-being it she was didn't spectacular. do that because she also she also stated that she did not know him that right. that was their first time meeting. So why would she? <laughs> so you know, <laughs> why would she? She would be like, oh, he's drunk, he toe up. But 
I want to go back to the father because my thing is is that when you bring folks family into things then you have to spend some time with that you know what I'm saying you can't just say my daddy was a drunk and then move forward they don't talk about you know how that informed his childhood right. how that informed his behaviors later in life you know what I'm saying and and for me and I love my father or if I were to indict my father of having this particular kind of influence with me I would need everybody to understand how and why my daddy did this and how I processed it and how I have forgiven him. Like that was to be the conversation because you're not going to, you're not going to put my daddy out there. Not right. to my dad, my daddy and my daddy. <laughs> <laughs> now, so Andrew gives us context to kind of how he ends up in this hotel room with a white man because he is he says this white man was a political fan of his um and the two of them met at was it a hotel bar he said but he said he was a friend too friend and political fan and he remember he said he was going to the hotel as a drive-by you did not drop by no escort porn stars hotel. <laughs> and if you do do a drop by, y'all, I've told y'all I've been out there in this world, you do do a drop by, you're going to pick up your shit to go do the same thing somewhere else. If we want to talk about double lives, I'm going to tell y'all what the other life looks like. Can you tell them what the story is, what actually happened in the hotel room? Okay. So, I, I just rem uh, what I remember is that you know, um, well, what the world sees is that we see Andrew Gillum in this photo on the ground, drunk, what looks like he's in vomit. I didn't know if it was vomit or, you know, someone's mess. But anyway, he's laid out <clears throat> and supposedly he, you know, it is surrounding, it is alcohol, but there are two individuals there, one who's overdosed and has been taken to the hospital. One of those individuals uh, is is known to be an escort, or it's either or or slash porn porn performer. I don't like to give folk porn star status unless I know because there's a lot of folks running around saying they're porn star. And I'm like you did you did a scene. Okay, you did one scene, okay, because you needed that $300. So you did that oh one thing, but you're not necessarily a star, okay? The world sees that this man is in this room with these, you know, folk who are alleged to be queer. Now, wasn't uh, there a rumor that there were drugs involved? Yes, there were drugs involved. There was meth present. And once I found out meth was present and I saw that picture of him laid out on the ground, I said, uh-oh, he done had some G. And he has swirled out on the floor. And what y'all need to see is if his backspace is intact, because usually when that happens, that's when folk go in for the kill, and it's a, it's a train, and all of these, oh bang, bang, bang. I have heard of situations happening when folk, you know, take G and they pass out. I heard they become the pass around. So that's why I was like, that's what y'all need to be checking on. And so we have this scandal of this, this ex-governatorial candidate, you know, who lost his little race, you know. Not little race. Why black people always going to make uh, something little? <laughs> we do be doing that, okay? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> y'all doing y'all little podcasts, huh? Um, right. <laughs> I also have a problem with that. Especially when you get in positions of power, you're not supposed to 
be messy, right? You're supposed to always perfect. be perfect. Yes. And and RJ, his wife actually describes him as a very disciplined man. Disciplined. Yes, she did. In her story. So it, it feeds into this whole image that he was supposed to be perfect. And that's the image they tried to portray on the outside. You know, I'm so glad that you brought up RJ because RJ was absolutely fierce. But I must say that I was so impressed with R.J. Gillum's performance. Come on, give her her tens. Give her her tens. She flashed us that smile. She had the Uh blush on. The face, the eyebrows were plugged. They were sitting. Um, Everything was was tucked. Okay, she was ready. Yeah, she was. She was pretty. She was. We are calling it a performance, which means that are some things that you might not have believed. Oh, definitely. There there are some discrepancies in the stories here. So Miss um, RJ got on screen and let us know that she had been calling Andrew at least 50 times that night because she was worried <laughs> uh, he was missing. You see, he had gone out to this hotel hadn't, and his wife was staying at the rental house, okay? And he hadn't told her where she was going. So she was extremely worried, you all. This has never happened before. He's never been gone in the middle of the night, probably, right? So she calls him 50 times, apparently, uh, to no answer. And our, and uh, Andrew comes home the next morning and says he found his wife asleep um, and that there was no conversation about what had happened that night. Andrew even let us know that the two of them Uh, weren't getting along in the midst of this quarantine. He let us know that the two of them could not quote unquote abide by one another um, and that everything the kids do irritates him. So there are some issues going on at the Gillum household beyond (laughs) this scandal. And so this is why I say, let us recast what we do know. We know that there are problem in the marriage. There's a problem in the marriage. We know that there is a drinking problem. We don't believe that um, this was the first time that Andrew had been out (laughs) carousing in the night. Exactly. Because he did come out as bisexual, which means that RJ knew he was bisexual. Yes. Right? And so that means that there has been a history of, at the very least, Andrew enacting his bisexualness. (laughs) that he is unable to embrace who he is because of what the world has asked him to be. Right, right. And what he said to everybody is that I got so lost in the sauce, and I don't mean that literally on that night, I got so lost in that sauce that y'all are asking me to eat. I allowed myself to be vulnerable because I had to do what I was doing in secret. Right. And and I had to do it under the influence because I can't do it out loud and in the light because right. y'all want me to be this strong black man that's supposed to be perfect and fine and sexy and charming, you know, likened to Martin Luther King. I got to even kind of look like him. Yeah. If I want to do politics. Exactly. You know, I, I, I'm so glad you hearken back to that lineage. Um, Cause you know, even with Martin Luther King, the Bayard Rustins, um, they weren't in the, they weren't in the forefront of the movement. Malcolm X, mm-hmm. Didn't admit his bisexuality because 
No, do you got to get specific and tell us about Malcolm X's so, bisexuality? Malcolm X, in his memoirs, did identify as bisexual in his teenage years, um, and then as he became more prominent in the civil rights movement and just in movements uh, locally where he was in different cities, he he didn't really wear that on his sleeve or come forward forward with it. Um, but it was a thing, and he's talked about it in his memoirs. So. Take me back to 1959. Okay. I was like, Malcolm, what's up, nigga? What's okay. up? Come here. <laughs> I would. I'm so sorry. I love <laughs> me a revolutionary man. Everybody knows that I'm in love with Huey P. Newton. That is my number one. That's my man. But I would have hollered at Malcolm. Malcolm looked long. Malcolm was fine. <laughs> I love me a smart black man and, and who got <laughs> who has the audacity to speak it out. I love it. There's few of them out there. Uh-oh. This is not a scandal, okay? This is a travesty. Mm. You know, because this man, you know really is suffering because I do think that we have a poor conception of what black masculinity is and what it should be, okay? And so you have many black men out here who don't identify with characteristics that have been set forth. And so they they act out in many different ways. You know what I'm saying? Um, Some become you know, they decide they want to live the traditional life that they feel like black men should live. They should be, you know, alpha and should be in control. <laughs> yep. You know, um, some even go so far as they, they have to be the breadwinner. You know, they have to be taking care of people. Then you have, you know, some who um, become sexually promiscuous. Regardless of sexuality, they just become sexually promiscuous because that also is part of what the the black man represents is this this sexualness. Some get real flamboyant, you know, and I think flamboyance looks like many things. It can look like spending a lot of money. It's just all of these different things. It you know, it happens and this man has 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 suffered from it. You know, I am of the belief that black bodies in general are just always doing sex work no matter where we are. And I think that's something that we always have to contend with as black people and black men, particularly, as you said, we're kind of expected to fill these boxes and to enact the strength and resilience and unshowingness of emotion and just being dominant in everything. And it's sad because this interview could have been a chance for us to see a black man actually be vulnerable and live in his truth and really express his acceptance of his whole entire being. But that's not what we got. It was an interrogation from Tamron Hall. um, And it felt like it was a platform meant to make him embarrassed. You think so? Yeah, I don't feel like this was done with uh, good intention or with an intention of love I don't, I don't think these type of stories are ever when they give you the opportunity to tell your side right as it pertains to a black person i'm not sure it's ever done with love right but <laughs> what i do what i what i do think though is that i do think that andrew wanted this he wanted mm-hmm. this opportunity the yes. problem is that he should have known 
you know, if you're gonna play that game, your only choice really is, is to be truthful. And you thought you were telling your truth, but you weren't telling your truth. Like he claims that he uh, was not in a sexual act, that, that he did say that it was very funny. He, when he actually pointedly said it, he was like, that photo was not a sexual act. And I was like, y'all, he said the photo was not right. a sexual act. Now, then he comes back and says that nothing sexual happened. I have trouble. I have trouble with that. I have trouble with that just because I know that meth and black gay men or black bisexual men, trans women, and maybe even trans men as well, black in all of those categories are gravely affected by meth. I know that many black men are dying because of their engagement right. with that particular substance. We can look and to so, the Ed Buck case as one instance. We can look to the Ed Buck case. But very quickly, there is a political benefactor, which they say he wasn't benefiting that much, uh, <laughs> to the Democratic Party that lived in West Hollywood who has had two black men die in his home yes. who were given the drug uh, crystal meth. This methamphetamine. One was a younger man around in his early 20s. The other was an older man, middle-aged man. Um, I believe he was 50. And he died in his home. And so for that, he is, it is criminal. I understand that, you know, in the larger scheme of things, you know, black men are becoming an endangered species, whether it's to the prison or whether it's to police brutality and also to meth. Meth is yeah. significantly killing black men. So I'm just like, it is very, coincidental that you, Andrew Gillum, are in this space with, with meth being present, with these men who are is, who are sex workers. It's very hard for me to believe that you weren't entertaining it. Mm -hmm. Maybe you went there and you were like, not tonight. You know, but, but, but that still isn't even important. This man made a mistake. Why can't black men make mistakes? Why can't Thank black folks? in the media make mistakes. You know yeah. what I'm saying? What really struck me too, along with that, the him being able to make mistakes, is the line Tamron said before he made that line. She says that being gay is not a disqualifier, but putting your family in potential danger through blackmail is. And Did she say that? She did say that. Those are her words verbatim. <laughs> It, that really pained me. And I think that's what, for me, set it up as, like, this is supposed to be a way, a way to embarrass this man. God, because God, that God, line God. in itself is not helping anyone. <laughs> hmm. It's like she's chastising him and hmm. condemning his actions. And it's like, why is that happening on this national platform from a black woman? Why are we doing this in front of the entire public of America? Uh -huh. I don't... Oh, my gosh. In the work that black folk need to do, they, there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a time and place to engage white folk. There's a time and place to do that. And there's a time to say that this is a conversation that we need to have by ourselves. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We don't need y'all there. Okay, we don't need your input. We don't need to use your rules and all of the things. We don't need y'all at this point in time. We'll, but, we'll, we'll link up in a minute. Yeah. It's <laughs> also know? hard because he is a politician who is supposed to be representing the whole of his constituency. So <laughs> it's like everybody yeah. kind of needs to know. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah. I felt even more sad for him because, you know, what I saw was a man who 
has made the decision to exist in a body that is not him. Mm. I felt so incredibly sorry for him. Felt sorry for RJ because she has made the decision to support his own personal facade and a facade of who they are Uh to the world as well. And they shouldn't have to do that. They shouldn't have to do it at all. To me, it was just a very sad, sad story, you know, but it exemplified something that Black folk don't even think about because we don't think that meth is a problem that affects Black people. That's true. What do we what do we see when we think math? What do we see? It's okay. AT don't want to say it. I'll say it. We see a little wrinkly, a scarred up girl white woman look like a hillbilly with no teeth. That is what black folks think when they see math. Okay? But what y'all don't know is that they are affecting these beautiful, beautiful black men who end up at some point looking real crazy. So like you can liken meth to, to the crack epidemic and what it, what it did to people. But I want to say that if you want to know more about this issue, but his name is Michael Rice. Um, it's called Party Boy, the documentary. And um, it is, it's a lot. I've seen it. It's, it's a lot, you know, and it, it was, it was triggering for me you know, particularly, you know, because I'm going to be very transparent. You know, I have been challenged with that particular substance. Mm-hmm. And I have had to go through some trials and tribulations, you know, that have caused me to redirect. And I'm so thankful to God that I had a good foundation and was able to do that. Yes. You know, but I also understand that I am an anomaly in that world. Mm-hmm. I know that it is a significant problem that we must pay attention to. I think in terms of how we think about the drug problem in the U.S., I think we also think that it's a white problem because they they picture it to just be opioids, right? right. And we right. buy opioids, what's that? We don't know nobody who do no opioids, <laughs> but but yeah, but but we do, right? Because in the song, when they pop a perk, pop a zanny, and I twerk on that D. You know what I'm saying? That it is. That is that. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> You know what I'm yeah. saying? So actually, <laughs> it is our problem. It's just something that I think that we need to take a look at. Kenzie, I have to say, uh, I am so glad. I'm sure I can speak for our listeners and being so glad that you're still here with us and that that struggle is one that you can say you've overcome. And I think your story, just by speaking, it, is going to help somebody else. Um, and it's going to give somebody else the strength to keep pushing through. So I appreciate you for sharing that. I hope so. I have learned that living in secret is a silent killer. Be who you are. Right. You know what I'm saying? Be who you are and live and define your own standard. Be who you are and be good in it. Woo! I guess that's my last drop. My final thing, I'll, final end in, uh, I'll end it in the last conversation between Tamron and RJ. Tamron asks RJ if, uh, if she's ever questioned God's plan, and RJ says all the time. That's something that I, myself... I'm constantly doing uh, and constantly kind of feel like I'm battling, always wondering what's in the plan for me, what's next on this journey of life. Um, And I think it's so important that we spend time asking those questions within ourselves and within our own private time. Um, I feel like especially in this year, this is such a time where the truth 
of people and situations is rising to the top and where we're seeing things for what they are really. And so it kind of goes in tandem with the whole 2020 vision thing. So I just encourage anyone listening to do that work. Uh, ask about why it is you are who you are today, why you think the way you do uh, and how you can continue to grow and evolve as a person. Wow. Well, let's talk about what we're talking about on our next episode. And I will close us out with some words by Bob Teague from his memoirs, Letters to a Black Boy, which was uh, published in 1968. But I think it's so apropos to what A.T. just said and, and to our final drop. But A.T., what are we, what's our next episode about? Who are we inviting? Our next episode is with the incomparable Angela Burchett. Oh, my God. Wait a minute. Who's Angela Burchett? So tell tell everybody who Angela Burchett is. Well, I'll probably know Angela from the most recent Clark Sisters movie that premiered on Lifetime. Yeah, she played Jackie Clark, and we are so yeah. excited to talk to her and uh, just pick yeah. her brain a little bit and let y'all get to know her. Oh, no, we're about to, we're not going to just pick her bang. I have known Angela Burchett almost 20 years. She is a, a dear friend of mine, so I'm, we're going to have a good time, and we're going to talk about Clark Sisters and, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Here is a passage from Letters to a Black Boy by Bob Teague. Question the mysteries that you do not understand. Question the answers that quickly come to hand. Question your teachers, yourself, and what you see. Question him. Question her. Question me. This ain't a sip and see. 